give you a thumbnail of Rabbi Yaakov Klein as an author, lecturer, and the founding director of Eilecha, which is a UK-based organization focused on creating opportunities for spiritual growth and experiential education in the local community and beyond, way beyond. So through classes, content, events, trips, and experiences, Eilecha aims to foster an authentic Jewish experience that's deep, passionate, sincere, joyous, healthy, and eminently relevant, charting a course, a lecha toward a vibrant life, lived in the warmth of Hashem's embrace. So thank you so much for joining us. We are so looking forward. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you, everybody, for being here. So, Be'ezus Hashem, as was mentioned briefly, this is an incredibly busy period of time. You can imagine for a person who's involved in formal and informal education, this is this is it. You know, this is like we don't ease into the year. El Tishrei is is where it's at um, in a very major way. And um, I'm not sure if everyone if is my video like big for can can everyone see me or is there a way to yeah okay. So, so I'm not going to go so long. We're just going to share a few moments together to try to help us focus very much, as much as we can, on preparing for the day of Yom Kippur that is upon us. And the Tzadikim taught that, crazily enough, in some very deep way, the preparation for a mitzvah is in some way even more significant than the mitzvah itself. Because if the mitzvahs are all about opportunities to reveal the depth of our desire to connect to Hashem. As the Hasidic masters teach that the word mitzvah means a commandment, but that's only in Hebrew. In Aramaic, the word mitzvah means to connect, like a tsevet, a group of people. Tzavta means a connection. So each mitzvah is an opportunity to connect. And as the Gemara tells us, Rachmana liba boy, HaKadosh Baruch who desires our heart. That's what he's after. He's after our feelings, our emotions, the depth of our openness, our willingness to let him in. And so the actual chag or the actual mitzvah in and of itself, well, that's, that's an obligation. You know, so everyone's got to do it. If we're, so to speak, law-abiding citizens of this particular way of life, there are things that we're going to do, and that's great. So that's the body, and that's precious. But the hachana taking time to prepare, that's a midas chasidus. That's something that's extra. That's something that's it's not absolutely obligatory. And so the tzaddikim taught that taking time to prepare for a chag, that's the good stuff. That's the soul stuff. That's the heart. That's the rachman alibabai. That shows Hashem that we don't just want to check off all the boxes so that we can be card-carrying Orthodox Jews. But we, we are looking very deeply for a relationship with you, Hashem. And so the preparation for a mitzvah is so deep. And that's what we're doing now. And so it's such a remarkable thing that women from all around the world are joining together to make sure that we don't just jump into Yom Kippur. We go in with, with clarity, with Yeshav Adas. So I'm just going to share very briefly a few perspectives. I think the title that was allotted as to how, how to make Yom Kippur even more meaningful. I don't know how to make Yom Kippur not meaningful or how Yom Kippur couldn't be meaningful, but even more of a meaningful experience, possibly with a few brief and lucid perspectives. All B'Siyat with the help of the Master of Heaven and Earth. 
I'm sure some of you may have heard of a tzaddik called Rabbi Nachman of Breslev. I'm sure. So Rabbi Nachman of Breslev, among many other things, was known for his stories. And the stories that he's known for are 13. 13 tales that are printed in a sefer called Sipure Maisios. Story tales. But he also told many, many shorter parables. And the following is a parable from Rabbi Nachman of Breslev, whose gravesite I just had the privilege of being by for a Shoshana. Hashem's help. So Rabbi Nachman says like this. He says, there was once a king who had a son. And the son showed great promise in his intellect. And the king wanted to develop his son's cognitive abilities. And so he sent him to the greatest universities abroad, to the most prestigious colleges. And he had him study all this remarkable wisdom, all the wisdoms of the, of the world. He studied the seven wisdoms. He was brilliant and well-read and learned and erudite. And after many years of study, he came back to the palace. And when he came up to see his father, the king, the king looked at him and he told him, before we schmooze and catch up, we haven't seen each other in such a long time, can you do me a favor? And the prince said, of course, anything. Avinu Malkeinu, you know, my father, my king, for sure. See, he says, well, there's a very, very, very heavy stone that right now is on the ground floor of the palace. And I'd like for you to bring it up to the attic. Okay. So, thanks to himself, you know, he's a, he's a pretty wise person, like we mentioned. He's developed his intellect. He can figure out a way. It's a heavy stone, but he'll figure out a way. Okay. So, he goes down to the, to, the, to the floor of the palace and he sees this big boulder there. And first, you know, he tries moving it. doesn't budge. He puts his whole weight against it. And he's trying to think, how am I going to get this thing up? Even if I could devise some kind of crane, you know, but the stairwells are so narrow and outside, there's no way for it to get in the window. And he's trying and he sits and he knows it's some kind of puzzle. After all these years of learning, he's supposed to have some way of figuring this out. And he sits and he sits and he contemplates this for days on end, nothing. And he finally comes back to his father and he says, you know, you, you told me to do something that's, impossible. I I can't. I cannot lift the boulder and bring it up to the attic. And there's silence. And the father looks at him very deeply with a penetrating gaze. And he says, with all of your wisdom, you weren't able to understand my intention. Did you ever think that I would ask you to do something so impossible as to lift the boulder as it is up to the attic? No, it's impossible. What I wanted you to do is to take a hammer and to break the stone into pieces. And then piece by piece, you can lift the boulder up to the attic. Adkan Hamashal. That is the parable that Rabbi Nachman told. And the tzaddikim of Breslov taught that what Rabbi Nachman meant is that if the purpose of life is to bring ourselves up to Hashem, or in the words of the Katzka Rebbe, where is God wherever we let him in? And that means that in order for God to be a presence in our lives, there needs to be something that's out of the way to make space for Hashem's light to come into our heart. 
and that that's captured in the word Elul, as the Svas Emes says in the name of his grandfather, the Chidush Arim, that the word Elul is a conjugation between two words, Loi with an Aleph, and Loi with a Vav. Lamed Aleph, Lamed Vav, is the Oisius, the letters Elul. And these two forms of this word are actually a Kri and a Ksiv, alternate ways of reading a Pasuk that we say in Shachris, in Mizmah Lasayda, when we say, Hu Asanu, He made us Veloi Anachnu, and not we. But that word loy is a kri and a ksiv. It's written loy with an aleph, but we read it loy with a vav. Meaning, we can read it, he created us the loy anachnu, and we did not create us. But we're told to read it, not that we didn't create us, but loy anachnu, we, with a vav, we belong to him. And the Sasema says in the name of his grandfather that these two things are commensurate one to the other. To the extent that we make ourselves loy with an aleph, that is the extent to which we are loy with a vav. The extent to which we nullify ourselves is the extent to which we allow Hashem's light to settle into our lives. And so Rabbi Nachman says, if that is the purpose of life, then the way to get there is by breaking our illusion of totality, of wholeness, And then piece by piece, we can lift ourselves up to the master of heaven and earth. Piece by piece, as our heart breaks, our heart breaks open, and Hashem's light is able to shine into our lives. All sin, which Yom Kippur is a great car wash to just completely wash us off, all sin is rooted in the primordial sin, in the original sin, so to speak, of Adam and Chava, of which all of us were involved, implicit, because Adam is our common ancestor of all of humanity. We, we all come from him. And so in some way, we were all somewhere very, very deep, somewhere in some very meta way, we were all in Adam Arishon's being as he was doing that sin, along with Chava, the father and mother of humanity. And if you think about it on a very basic level, what was the shoresh of the sin? What was the root of it? All of us know what they did wrong. Hashem commanded them not to eat from the tree and they ate from it. That's great. But what was the root of it? What was the shoresh? Because it could have been anything. Hashem could have made, uh, you know, you not carry without an Eruv and it carried without the Eruv. That's not what it was. It was deeper than that. It wasn't even don't eat from this particular apple tree. No, the the tree had a personality. It was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It was the tree that held promise for Adam and Chava of being able to access a level that they knew was beyond them, which in a word is ego, E-G-O. That is the root of chait. That is what underlies the experience of deviating from the Ratzon of Hashem when we fall into the illusion that there is a place where God is not and that suffices. I'm going to say that again. The root of sin is the illusion that there is a place where God is not and that suffices. We're okay living in some way without Hashem's presence. Where we, we, we got it under control. Hashem, we... We don't need to follow and align our will every single second with, with your desire. No. We can choose our own things. And we're okay. And it doesn't bother us, chas v'shalom, that you're not a part of our lives. We're in control. We know better. 
We know better. And so what happens when a person goes with that perspective, very quickly, a person comes to the realization that it's not actually working. It's not actually working. Because whatever we thought we'd gain living that lifestyle remains unattainable. And that in moments of sensitivity and bigness and moich and the godless expanded consciousness, we're awake to the fact that beyond the surface layer of functionality, there's a part of us that's aching. There's a part of us that's nauseated by living in a way that we know is misaligned with our, with our essence. And the more we try to f- control things and the more that we uh, entertain this false notion that we suffice for ourselves, incredibly, the more things seem to fall apart. And the more life in one way or another pushes us and forces us into the realization that I don't have this thing under control. I just, I don't. And that's a Pasuk and Tehillim, one of my favorite Pesukim, because it's one of the most honest Pesukim. It's one of the most important, we mentioned the word relevant before, it's the most relevant Pasuk for our times. Because it outlines the way in which the process that we're experiencing as individuals and as a community is actually l'chatchila. It's not, it's not something like the world is falling apart. No, it's, it's proceeding exactly according to plan. Because Dabar HaMelech says, Tashev Enosh Adaka. Hashem, you push humanity ad daka up until they're, 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 you just push them into the ground and chazal darshan ad daka ad dichducha shal nefesh. It doesn't just mean being pushed until poverty, into a state of impoverishment, but ad dichducha shal nefesh. You, you stamp us down until we're crushed into a million pieces like the boulder. And it would be a pretty horrible pusik if it ended there. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't intend to do that to us and leave us there. It's all for a purpose. Hashem has our best interest in mind. He's Rachmana. He's the essence of mercy and compassion. And so the Pasuk continues. A few words. And then you say, and the word is a form of the word which the Zohar Kaddish tells us that whenever we encounter the word speech, in the form of Amira as opposed to Dibur, the Zohar says that we should read it as a whisper. The Zohar says Amira is Belichisha. Every time it says Vayomer, it's a whisper. It's very soft. So after the process of Tashiv Enosh Adaka Adichducha Shal Nefesh, Vatoimer, then you whisper to us. And whispering connotes closeness because you can't whisper to someone far away. You're very close to us. Karev Hashem l'nijbere lev. Hashem is very close to those who have a broken heart. Vatoimer, you whisper, Shuvu b'nei Adam. Shuvu b'nei Adam. Okay, return. You've learned the lesson that this illusion of sufficing without me in your life, it doesn't work. There's only one way to get through this world with Yishav Adas, and that way is Emuna. 
That way is bittel, is getting ourselves out of the way and allowing for our souls to be what they always ever were sent here to be, which is a channel for the light of the divine, not to clog that channel up with our own considerations that we think are going to make us happier or we think are going to make things more misudar. On the contrary, it's an illusion. Let it go. Let go and let God, as we say, just let Hashem's light flow down. Let Him flow through. So sometimes the boulder needs to be needs to be broken so that then we can lift all the pieces up to the attic. That's the way it goes. And then with this, we'll come to the end, just a few more minutes, we come to the great realization that in fact, Rabbi Shalom, in all of those places that I was seeking, you know something very deep? I wasn't seeking ego. I wasn't maliciously trying to push you out of my life. I, I was seeking you. I wanted you all along. I just didn't exactly know how to connect with you. I didn't exactly realize the extent to which you being present in my life would give me all the things I was looking for. I didn't realize that you are synonymous with contentment, that you are synonymous with self-confidence, that you are synonymous with value that I should feel like I matter. I didn't realize that. So instead, I felt like I had to push you out and make considerations so that I should gain acceptance by other people. But that's not really what I needed. Because even if all the other people accept me, so long, like Haman said, that there's one human that doesn't accept me, I'm still empty because humans can't give me what I need from you. Because humans are limited and you, Master of Heaven and Earth, are infinite. And that's the deepest fixing of all. That's the deepest fixing of all. And that, my friends, is Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is a day where all the external layers of what I thought I wanted and what I think that I want out of life and where I think I'm going and the ambitions that I have and the plans that I make and all the, all the, all the you know, illusion of control that I have over my life. And Yom Kippur, it's all stripped away. We don't eat. We don't drink. No physical pleasures. We're in shul the whole day. We're separated. We're elevated. We're removed. We're connected. And in that space, that deep, deep, deep Ratzon Tov, that deep, pure desire to really make the most of life because it's over before we know it. We should all be blessed with long and healthy, happy years till 120, but life passes by very quickly. So we don't want to waste it. And there's a part of us deep down that only wants one thing, as Chazal tells us, Ein bilibenu ela echad. We only want one thing. And the Gemara tells us, Our will is to be bound with your will, because your will is our will. Because the deepest, deepest will of a father for his child, and the deepest will for a, of a mother for her child, is what's going to benefit the child in a healthy relationship. And so suddenly we recognize that, well, okay, you want me to keep Shabbos, right? Shabbos is so difficult to keep. It's like so restrictive and constricted. But wait a second. Hashem, if your will is for me to keep Shabbos, then it must be that deep, deep down in a place that I, I haven't even accessed yet, there's a part of me that wants nothing more than to keep Shabbos. Because it's not for you. You have everything already. It's for me. You don't want me to suffer through this world so that in some future realm we can get, you know, gain some paradise. That, that's not what this is about. You want me to be okay. You want me to live with contentment and I continue to push you out of my life because I'm not aware of it. But Yom Kippur, we become aware. 
And we say, Asham Nuba God Nugazalnu. And we go through the Vidoy. And what we do when we go through the Vidoy is that we're telling Hashem, Wow, look at all the places that I looked for you. And, and it, it was just the wrong place to look. That's what Vidoy is. Ashamnu, we looked for you here. Bagadnu, we looked for you there. Gazalnu, I thought that I'd get what I need from you if I take something from someone else. Oh, was I mistaken? I only needed you, Rebunishlam. Dibarnu Daifi, I thought that if I would speak Lashanhar about that person, I'd get some validation, but only in you I get validation. I was only ever looking for you. It was only about you. That's the deepest rutzon that I have on this day of clarity, standing on the pinnacle on Mount Everest of spirituality. I have clarity. Fine. Finally, I can see, I can see, I can see. So I just want to end with a story and a blessing. And the story is a very is a very deep one. It's a painful one, but it's a beautiful one. And the story goes that there was a couple who lived in a very beautiful house in Yerushalayim. And they loved each other very much. They had a very good relationship. But over time, things began to unravel a bit. The road became a bit bumpier. And there were challenges on, on her part, on his part. And they experienced a few years of challenge and strife. And finally, after a few years of this, they came to the realization they, they needed to, to break. They needed just a, a break. They needed to reconsider, think about their lives, each of them individually. They just needed to separate for a bit. And they decided that she would go to her parents who lived in a neighborhood nearby. And he was going to go on, on, a, on a trip. He just needed to clear his mind. He needed to, to travel away. They just needed time away. And they packed up their things and they walked out and they lo- and they closed all the lights and they locked up the house and... And they parted ways. And as they were parting, he told her that he would be writing her letters to keep her updated on his travels where they were, but they just needed to, to separate. A week goes by, she doesn't hear from him. And suddenly one day she sees a letter in the mailbox from the city of Hamburg in Germany. And in the letter, he writes to her, he says, it's like an exuberant tone. He says, I'm having the time of my life and you'll never believe it. I met the most wonderful girl and we're connected so deeply and I think I'm going to marry her. Sends this letter from Hamburg and she's so broken. She's processing this letter when another letter comes a few days later, this time from Italy. And he says, whatever I said about the girl and the letter from Hamburg, no, now I met the one. The most beautiful girl. Oh, she's everything I ever longed for. And we connect so deeply in the conversations we have and our interests. And, and she sees this letter. She, she doesn't know what to do with herself. She's broken. And the next week, it's another letter from Amsterdam this time about another girl that puts the others to shame. And they're, get, they're getting married immediately. And this is the way it goes. Week after week after week, she's getting all these terrible letters. And eventually she's so incredibly broken and her parents are also driving her a little bit crazy um, being in their house for so long that she says to herself, you know what, I'm just going to go back home. I'm just going to go back to the home because 
at least there I'll be safe and she, I won't have to read all of his horrible letters. I don't need to see what he's up to and just forget it. So she packs up her things and she goes back to the house. The cold, dark house. It's been vacant for weeks, months. And she unlocks the door and just has that eerie echo, you know, this just big empty house. And she walks in and she's just hit with a flood of emotion. She bursts into tears. Remembering all the good times that they had in, in the dining room and here in the living room, the Shabbos Sudas. And she walks into the kitchen, how many meals they enjoyed together and how many birthdays and anniversaries and Chagim and just all the, all the sweet memories. And she doesn't know what to do with herself. She just starts walking around from room to room in the house and just remembering what was. And the noise of all of those memories echoing in the silence of this dark, empty house. And eventually she reaches the innermost sanctum of the home where there was a corridor that led to her husband's study. And she walks to the study and she opens the door and the room is dark, but there's a candle on the desk. And as she comes closer, she sees that there's a figure sitting behind the desk. And it's her husband. And her husband is sitting there writing another one of his crazy letters. And he looks up with tears in his eyes and she looks at him with tears in hers. And he says, I want to let you know something. He says, I intended to go traveling. And I was too ashamed to, to open up and to tell you how I feel. There have been so many barriers holding me back. But I want to let you know, all I ever wanted was you. There is no one else. I wrote all these fake letters. I had friends mail them to you from cities all over Europe, but I've been here the whole time. It's just me and it's just you. There's no one else. So I want to let you know that the whole year we're busy writing Hashem little letters from all different places in our lives. Sending him little postcards. Hey, I'm, I'm doing fine. You stay up there. I'll stay down here. Everything's great. I'm hanging out with this one and I'm having a great time with that one and I have everything under control. Send Hashem all these silly letters. But on Yom Kippur, on Yom Kippur, HaKadosh Baruch Hu goes through all the rooms and he goes layer after layer after layer of our identity deeper and deeper, deeper beyond until he knocks at that office door at the deepest core of our essence, what's called the Yechida in the spiritual realm, the deepest place in our soul. It's the fifth layer of the soul that corresponds to Ni'ilah. It's just, it's the deepest, deepest place of who we are. And Hashem says, in that place, I discover that there's a part of you that never left. There's a part of you that understands that all you were ever looking for was me. And each of us come to the realization and the understanding that all I was ever looking for, master of heaven and earth, was you. In you, I find happiness. In your light, I find light. And it takes a little bit of removal from the physical distractions of this worldliness to be able to have the Yish of Adas and the peace of mind to be able to remember that and get in touch with that and reveal that and commit to that so we don't make the same mistake of stumbling through 
another year, but we come into this new year with, with clarity and openness, willingness to get ourselves out of the way so that a Kaddish Baruch can shine through, lifting up all these broken shards of the Aleph base of Ashamnu, Bagadnu, Gazalnu, Dibarnu, Daif, all these broken pieces and lift them up. Gather all the broken pieces of your life, all those broken things. We take those pieces of the boulder, we, we straight up to the attic we go. So that's my bracha to you and to me. You know, we, it's been a long year. And I know I've been through what I've been through, you've been through what you've been through. All of us have in one way or another had the privilege of being stamped on for a purpose. And now we're coming to the purpose. We say, I got it. It was a curriculum. And I learned the lesson. Okay, can we hear the whispering? Hashem says, return to me and I'll return to you. And let's spend our lives together. Like we only ever wished we would. That ancient love of our youth. Let's journey together into this midbar of a world and let's transform it into the Garden of Eden once more. Wishing everybody a Gemar Chasimataiva, Gutkebenchiar. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. And Seyatr Shemaya, Kurdish Baruch, we should help that it should be a year full of Basuris Taiva's only good news. Bazus Hashem.